Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. Maybe you don't know, but a uh, life saved is worth everything. That's what we believe at Venue Church. We believe that your life is worth everything to God and it's worth everything to us. We only ask that you pay it forward. That makes sense in my brain. Welcome to Drama Club. We've been talking about what your life would look like without the drama. Can you just imagine if you actually took all of your energy and spent it just dealing with issues? Rather than blowing everything up and avoiding issues like we do in Drama Club. We had a tragedy happen in our home this week. Aaron woke up on Thursday morning and found that our goldfish was um, listing horribly to the side. Our goldfish, uh, his name, her name, we're not sure. The name of the goldfish was Sushi, named uh, by my kids. I thought it was a pretty funny name for a goldfish. Um, I was making fun of fish owners, I think, maybe a year ago in a sermon, and then a couple of the guys in my small group got us a goldfish. That week, and uh, so sushi actually made it about like over a year, which is uh, roughly a year longer than any of the fish I ever had made it. We would come back from the fair with a fish in a box with some water in it, and by the time I got home, like its life expectancy was about 30 minutes, because I'd be like, are you doing okay in there? <laughs> like the Finding Nemo with like, Dar- is it Darla? Like, are you a fish? <laughs> so um, it, it, it hit our family a bit hard, and Neela particularly hardest. It didn't hit me hard at all, because it's a fish. I'm, I'm not a pet guy, but I think to myself, oh, thank God it wasn't like a dog or something. Like, oh, my goodness. So we needed some closure for sushi. And so what we did was I had the two youngest girls. I'm like, we need closure here because Neela, seven hours later, was, it was still hitting her kind of hard. And I'm like, sweetheart, I love you, but I think this is getting a little bit weird now because, <laughs> well, it's a fish. So what we're going to do is we're going to, you guys write a eulogy about the fish. And then we will. And so what we did was we had a funeral and we had a funeral procession to um, its, its watery uh, grave in the, in the porcelain. So we played Amazing Grace on the bagpipe, so we just put it on the speaker, and then we had this funeral procession. We read its eulogy to it. And uh, this, is, this is, as I'm talking today about self-talk, I wonder if the words that people you, use to describe you, or when you're gone, the words that they use to describe you will be kinder than the words you use to describe yourself. These were the words that my two little girls used to describe sushi, the goldfish. Loved. Again, in my head, the whole, it's, it's a fish, I don't. Loved. Brave. As far as goldfish goes, sushi was a brave. Respected. Some goldfish are living for the devil, but not sushi. Respected goldfish. Polite. (laughs) Funny. Here's one. Mature. Not a teenager. (laughs) The last one I wrote down was gulpy. Gulpy. in your home, but maybe not. Uh, maybe your home growing up in was different than my home. In the home that I grew up in, and in our home, what we're trying to do is get negative self-talk to almost call it a sin. So the home I grew up in, my mom and dad, they didn't come from necessarily positive 
homes, and yet they changed something in our home growing up, and I cannot recall ever saying something negative about my own person. Now, don't get me wrong. We had to fix broken windows, and we had to apologize, and we had to separate ourselves from our actions and say, I can do better than this, and apologize, like real apologies. But there was something I can never recall ever saying anything out loud about myself that was negative about myself. What was your home like? What are you like? When you think about yourself, does something negative immediately come to mind? Here's here's the deal. God could be doing 99 good things in your life, and there's one bad thing happening, and that's what we want to talk about. There's one negative character trait that God is still working on you on, and he's not finished yet. We, we sang that song, Hindsight. We, he's not finished yet. But it's the one thing that we, it just wrecks our day. We just think about it. You wake up in the morning, and you look at him, and you're just like, if only he. You look at your kids, and if only they, and if only my house, and if only, and if only, and if only, and you've got 99 other things, and this one thing is just tripping you up. It was um, your, your self-talk. Your self-talk will go a long way in, in how much drama. See, drama makes you the star in a play that nobody wants to watch. Your self-talk is rehearsing something in private and missing a shot in private that you're hoping you're going to hit in a game. But it starts at home in your rehearsal. So no wonder the play of our lives is terrible because we're actually practicing something extremely negative at home. I walked into my daughter Arwen's uh, room one time looking for something, which was a horrible mistake. And then <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness, there's stuff everywhere. Um, but I found that she had in grade nine, uh, she was in grade nine when we moved here. And she started school about a month late. And so everybody had friends and she comes into a high school, which was a big high school compared to where she came from. It was hard. She walked in. She had to figure out friendships and, you know, and, and, and I noticed that there were a bunch of these sticky notes in her room and, and, Arwen if, Arwen, if anybody in our home has had a right to be bitter about something, I would say it would be Arwen. Some of you know that, I mean, God is healing our family and healing our marriage like he's healing yours. And so there, there have been times when, when we've, there's been a lot of fighting and conflict and things like that. We're not proud about it, but hey, God isn't finished with us yet. And, and he's bringing us out into a place of redemption and, and, and love like he's doing with you. But I, I noticed these notes and I always wondered to myself, how is Arwen always so positive? She's so well-balanced and strong and confident. Well, then I found one of the reasons why. Here's, here are some, some sticky notes that I found in her room. I am who I say I am. Huh. Discipline your heart and mind. Don't just let yourself feel hopeless and think hopeless thoughts. Discipline your heart and your mind. Don't get bitter. That's the one I started crying when I read. Don't let it happen to you. Don't get bitter. Jesus sees beyond our failure. We're letting go of what's behind. It's gone. We're looking forward to what's ahead. It's ours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you keep saying that, man. We, we let go of what's in the past. It's in the past. Let's reach ahead. It's ours. It's already ours. Here's one. My, one of my favorite ones, have a tool in one hand and a sword in the other. Yeah. I'm preaching about Nehemiah starting next week. We're going to move you from feeling invisible to invincible. Yes. The life of Nehemiah, man, he's like, build the wall with one hand and have a sword in the other hand just in case somebody wants a bit of trouble. Because we can do both. I realized that her self-talk made her into who she was. Her self-talk opened the door for the Holy Spirit to do something. See, if you won't do what only you can do, the Holy Spirit can't do what only he can do. 
And how you talk about yourself matters. Soon another feast came around and Jesus was back in Jerusalem in John chapter 5. God had ordained feasts to happen. I love feasting. Some people feel God's pleasure when they run, like Eric Little from, what's that show? Chariots of Fire. He's like, I feel God's pleasure on me when I run. I feel God's pleasure on me when I eat hamburgers at, at the hayloft, man. I just like, I can feel his pleasure all over my hands and I feel God's pleasure. God had ordained feasts to happen and you need to ordain celebrations in your life. So you just quit focusing on what all the bad things that are happening in your life and actually focus on what's good. You wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, wow, I've got somebody. People love me. Near the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there was a pool in Hebrew called Bethesda with five alcoves, hundreds of sick people, blind, crippled, paralyzed. I'm describing them, not you. We're in these alcoves. One man had been an invalid there for 38 years. Now, in the area of self-talk and in the area of drama club, it would be wrong to think that, that just because you, you've been in a condition for 38 years, sometimes practice doesn't make perfect, it just makes permanent. Until somebody walks into the room and changes your situation for you. Changes something on the inside of you. For 38 years, some of you have been struggling with things for 8 years and 18 years and 28 years and 38 years. And, and watch what, what Jesus has to say here. Jesus saw him stretched out by the pool. He knew how long he had been there. And he said, do you want to get well? That's kind of cruel. You know, if you were standing by Jesus, you'd be like... Canadian outrage, Facebook. <laughs> Can you believe that Jesus said this? I can't believe that Jesus said this. So cruel, he doesn't understand kindness. <laughs> Do you want to be made well? Huh. I think Jesus is maybe sitting beside you asking, Do you want to be made well? Well, of course I want to be. No, 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 no. Do you think that anything Jesus ever said to anybody was needless? He's, try, he's trying to unlock this man. He's trying to unlock you. Do you want to be made well? Well, of course I... No, no, no. Do you really? Do you really? You know what? If you're healed and whole, you're actually going to have to go to work. Ooh. You're actually going to have to go to work every day. You're, if you're emotionally well, you're actually going to have to do what you need to do in a relationship. You're going to have to do the hard stuff. You're going to have to fight in the army of God. Do you want to be made well? Hmm. I can't, sir, the sick man said, for, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. It's, it's funny, that, that's a statement that we make, and I'm going to break that down into four or five parts here for you. That's a statement that we make all the time. Jesus asks us something, and we're like, I can't. See, now what would happen here is the angel of God would stir the pool occasionally and whoever would get in first would be completely healed. So you have this alcove with hundreds of people looking at the pool and Jesus, the creator of the pool, Jesus, the creator of the humans in the alcoves, Jesus, the creator of water, Jesus, the creator in a, in a word, created the whole world actually. Jesus, the creator, walks in and everybody's looking at the pool. Everybody already knows that there's only one way to get fixed, and it's fill in the blank. Well, see, God, I wouldn't be lonely if I could get married. But, right, right. 
Well, God said, I wouldn't struggle with anger if I only had children. Oh, right. Children help you be patient. Oh, absolutely. Oh. Of course. Why didn't any of us try that? Oh, we did. We all did. Right. Right, right, right. God, I wouldn't struggle with lust if I would just get married. Oh, right. Right. Again. Yeah. Sorry. Too far? I'll just back up to the children. I felt like that was kind of funny, so I'll just back up to this one. God, if I had the right career, then I'd apply myself to it. God, I just, I need, I can't. And Jesus is like, yeah, well, duh. You approach her, Jesus is like, do you want to be made well? And you're like, I can't. And he's like, I am aware of your inability to fix yourself. God is going to do something in your life today. See, he ends up healing this man, and this man walks out, actually gets up and walks out. He, he, somebody carries him in, and he gets up and walks out, and hundreds of other people are still there staring at the pool. Yes. Don't be one of those hundreds of people staring at the pool. Get out of here with your healing. I can't, he says, for, listen, listen, this is how we do it. This is how we play it in our self-talk. I can't, for I have no one. See, God, I can't do this. I can't get in the pool. And I, here's why I'm not healed is because I can't, because I have no one. If I had someone, then I could. I have no one to put me in the pool. I have no one to put me in the only place that I think I'm going to get healed. And Jesus is like, I can heal you any way that I want to heal you. So you want to talk about a pool? I guess that's okay. I have no one. And then he says, someone else. And that's how we feel. Someone else always gets there. Ahead of me, someone gets the. How could she get married, man? She's ugly. How does she get married? I'm still. I got this face and this gorgeous, and I'm still by myself. Someone else always gets something. Why don't I get it? Why don't I get it? Your internal chatter decides your outcome. Most days, your internal chatter does it glorify God? Does it speak God's word over you or somebody else's words over you? See, it's the devil's job to tell you that you can't. Don't you ever do his job for him. Make him earn it. Why would you do that? I can't. I can't, he says. I can't. Standing beside the son of the living God, I can't. Hmm. I can't. See, the devil can't, um, he can't change who you are and he can't change what you want. But if he can change what you say, what you want and who you are will change. He got no power to do that. He's got no power you don't give him. See, see, here's something I want you to, to take home today. The devil can't win an all-out war. So he prints propaganda. Have you read the end of the Bible? We get it all. Oh, there'll be pain and suffering in the lifetime, but we get it all. And the devil gets his comeuppance. I've read the end of the Bible. Maybe you haven't done that. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they didn't love their lives to the death. And they overcame him. They got it all. We win. The devil can't win an all-out offensive. If you're connected with Jesus, the devil can't win against you. He can't win an all-out war. All he can do is print your propaganda, drop it in your lap, and hope you read it. And hope you read it out loud. He can't change who you are. See, see, do you really think that the, if Jesus is here right now, that the devil could stop you from getting healed? 
I think you overestimate what he can do. I think that Jesus, having disarmed principalities and powers, making a public spectacle of them over, you know, he made a public spectacle, showed it to the whole world how weak and powerless they were. They couldn't even bring death to him. He rises again on the third day and baptizes you like he baptized the people from last week. He, he baptizes you into this new life and this resurrection life. The devil can't stop you unless you give him permission to do it. And we do that in our self-talk. See, there's no de- defense against self-sabotage. He can't take the city wall if God is on it. All he can do is hope that you tear it down from the inside. He just wants you to open the door to let some of his soldiers in to start messing you up. But he can't get through that wall. But we do it with our self-talk. We do it with our self-talk. What's the first thing you notice when you walk into a room? What was the first thing you said after the baptism service last week? A bunch of people give their lives publicly to Christ. God shifts the atmosphere. Does something that no human can do is save their own soul. Forgives of sin, connects back with God, the Heavenly Father. And you walk home and complain because you didn't get a blue cupcake and you really wanted a blue cupcake. And why aren't there blue cupcake? And if I was making the cupcakes, I would have made more blue cupcakes. And I feel like, well, people who complain about the cupcakes probably didn't make any. Uh, Is what you notice glorifying to, to God's work in the world or is it glorifying to what the devil is trying to do in your life? Now, you might not believe in the devil. I don't know how that's even possible. You know that your life has been painful. As you journey towards God, stop blaming God for what the devil is doing in your life and hey, why don't you stop giving the devil permission to do it? But I know we've got some realists in the room. You, you call yourself realist, but you're actually pessimist. It's the first thing you notice. It's the first thing you've got to say when you see. Yeah, you know what? I'm really good at a couple of things, but. But. But there's this other thing that I just can't seem to get over. And I like that person, but. If you only knew this other thing about that person. I really like my job, but. It's always this other thing. It's always this. You're shifting the focus from all the good things God is doing to the one little thing that's not quite up to your to your standards or whatever you call them. And uh, see, a pessimist always always calls themselves a realist. But here's the deal. Here's what I know. Like um, everybody deals with negative reality. You can deal with it negatively if you want to and lose because like double negatives always kind of end up negative. Maybe you haven't figured that out. But you can also deal with positive things negatively and make it negative. You might as well, why not deal with with positive things positively and deal with negative things positively? Oh my goodness. Uh, Pessimists, uh, a tendency to see the worst aspect of things or believe that the worst will happen. A lack of hope or confidence in the future. Let's just call it this. A lack of faith. A lack of faith that God's going to work it out. Unbelief. Pessimism. Pessimism. Always concentrating on what's not working. Always glorifying what's not working. Always putting it on stage and letting it speak. Yeah, it is good preaching. If you, are, if you have a pessimistic philosophy, you secretly believe that evil will ultimately prevail over good. The only way it can do that is if you secretly believe that evil will prevail over good. Yeah, preach it, yeah. See, um, pessimism is not honesty, it's just easy. 
is, is not honesty. There's not an angel on your shoulder saying like, I need you to be honest right now. <laughs> it's just lazy. It comes from an undisciplined heart and mind. It happens because we're too lazy to discipline ourselves to concentrate on what is good to build. We tear it down because we're lazy. We don't build because we're strong and confident and we've thought this through and we've rehearsed ahead of time and we got our lines straight. We are well rehearsed. We're hitting the shot in practice and we can hit it in practice all day and now we go out into the game and then you'll start hitting in the game. But the reason that you don't hit it in the game when you actually get in a conflict or when you actually have to do something in this world is because in practice you've been telling yourself that you're terrible rather than practicing. Oh, right rather than practicing, because if you're terrible, why bother? The great killer of dreams is to believe the worst, to accept the worst, to see the worst, to think about the worst, to speak the worst, to spread the worst. People I don't hang out with when I'm in dreaming mode. Uh, Realists. No, you tell me what can't be done. They said we'd never get this theater. They said that you could never be forgiven of your sins. Oh, don't tell me what's possible. When I'm in dreaming mode, I don't hang around realists because I don't want to hear what's possible in the natural. I don't care about it. I want to hear what God thinks is possible. I hang out with dreamers. I hang out with people who are like, yeah, but, but I, I wonder what if, 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 what if. I'll bet you that, hey, I wonder if, what if. <laughs> but um, see, faith, faith, it takes faith faith to pour out energy in the now when you're dealing with the negative reality. It takes faith to pour out energy now, but see, faith will give you energy later when it comes to pass. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The, the, and when that dream comes true, it breathes life into you. But, but negativity and pessimism gives you this, and this is why we fall for it, because it actually gives you energy right now. Did I just drop off of camera? Yeah. Pay attention, guys. You gotta pay attention. We, if you're a pessimist, it brings this weird negative energy with it. You're around somebody who's gossipy? There's this weird negative energy about it. It brings you energy now, but it destroys energy later. But faith, I, I rose slowly for you guys. Did you like that? I rose slowly. I give you opportunity. But faith pours out energy now to get it later. It's an investment. You got to pour it out. I was talking with a, a young gal this morning that was having a tough morning. I'm like, you got to pour out energy and you got to believe it. And in a half an hour, you won't feel like this at all. So why don't you act like that now? You pour it out now and you get it later. But see, we've been studying this, this King Saul who, who had this weird emotional energy and it started, he wasn't that bad when he started, but I'm going to show you one thing here after Goliath. Do you remember who Goliath is in the Bible, the giant? And then I'm going to read you how David actually killed Goliath, but this is Saul's response after this happens. See, if you're undisciplined and you're negative, God will knock something out of the park for you in your life and change something massive in your life. But you'll go home and there'll be no milk in the fridge. And you're like, there's no milk in the fridge. Why doesn't God just kill me and get it over with? <laughs> God's, God's like, you just talked with your teenage daughter and it actually worked out okay. And I did all of that. And what about the milk now? <laughs> this is what happens with Saul. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. We're going to bring tambourines back into the church, y'all. <laughs> if you didn't grow up in church, you're like, 
tambourines in the church? Oh, you don't even know. And a tambourine to every other one of you. Hopefully not in my lifetime again. This was their song. Saul killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Now, now you got to understand here, this is not a song like uh, historically accurate because David, had, uh, as far as we know, killed one. Yeah. He was big, so maybe like two. Maybe you could count it as two or three. He hadn't killed 10,000, but they're so happy. This is why they're happy and they're just like kids dancing out in the streets because the Philistines weren't going to come and hurt them and abuse them. Can we sing a silly song every now and again if God does something amazing? Because all of a sudden the Philistine yoke has been lifted from their neck. They're not being accurate. They're just having fun. And watch what happens to Saul. This made Saul very angry. It's funny, you know. Ten minutes before the Philistine died, he was uh, worried for his life and the life of his people. This made Saul very angry. What? Discipline yourself. Why would you give the victory to the devil right now? He said, they credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Buddy, you haven't killed thousands. Accuracy? Watch what happens in his spirit. Next, they'll be making him their king. When your self-talk is negative, it's not logical. Next, I mean, David was likely a teenager. They're not going to make a teenager their king. Well, next, he's going to leave me like my dad left me, like logically. And your husband's like, what now? I was just looking for the, just wanted a sandwich. <laughs> she's probably thinking of being with him, logically. And she's like, what? No, 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 no. <laughs> my bro- boss is probably looking at resumes right now. Freak out, freak outs. My friends are probably talking about me right now. They're all talking about me. I walk into the room and they're talking about me. I secretly hope that people are talking about me when I walk into the room. I'm like, y'all talking about me? I know I'm probably more interesting than what else you talk about. So. Look, nobody's talking about you or thinking about you half as much as you think you are. You're not that interesting. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The very next day, watch what happens spiritually now. If you won't guard your self-talk, watch what happens spiritually. A tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave in his house like a madman. So this is not like God's out handing out wicked spirits and stuff. What this actually means, I've studied this a bit, what this actually means is like God's protection lifted, and this other thing came in. So if your self-talk, if, if you give way to the propaganda that the devil is whispering in your ear, what happens is you, start, you open the gate for the devil to come in and mess you up. And God can't protect you if you won't protect you. As David was playing the harp as he did each day, he was trying to, there was something about David that soothed the spirit of Saul and soothed, soothed Saul. But Saul had a spear in his hand. Well, this is an unusual thing in his own house, in his own court. If you're a pessimist, an optimist has a harp, and a pessimist has a spear in his own house. He's afraid of getting attacked in his own court. Isn't that interesting? I'm on the alert because everybody's out to get me. You're not that interesting. Can I say it again? You're not that interesting. Why is everybody out to get you? They got their own problems. They think, you, they think you're out to get them. 
drama club. And he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. Whoa! But David escaped him. Twice. Some of us want to be David, but we won't go back in the room and serve who God told us to serve. Well, but God, you don't even know. God's like, anybody ever thrown a spear at you? Shut up and get back in the room. I can't even. My kids can't even. They're a gift from God to you, and I need you to train them. Get back in the room. Get back in there and try again. You don't understand. Get back in there and forgive who you got to forgive. Get back in the room. Get back in the room. I think David's first thought was like, wow. And his second thought was, I guess I know now why Saul wasn't fighting Goliath. You got to think here, this is not a big room. They didn't have big buildings back then. So I've done the math in my head. And if your spear is like six or eight feet long and the room is maybe 15, 20 feet long, he missed him from five feet away. Twice. And David's like, oh. oh. <laughs> this guy needs practice. You got to practice yourself talk. You got you to gotta practice. I'm going to set up the story that, that you're going to see how David was Saul's opposite. And some of us have been operating in the spirit of Saul and we need to give it up and take up the spirit of David. This is, this is how David beat Goliath. He walks into the camp of Israel and Goliath is spouting all this negative chatter. And all of Israel's like, hey, have you seen him? And they're just glorifying Goliath. They're like, oh my goodness, have you seen this? Oh, this guy's so big. And they're, they're doing the devil's job for him. Oh my goodness, look at, look at all the giants in the land. We can't possibly, we can't possibly, we can't possibly. Look how big he is, we can't possibly. I'll bet you if a hundred of you threw a spirit Goliath, he'd go down. But we can't possibly, we can't possibly, we can't possibly, we can't possibly. Saul, who is head and shoulders above all of the people, is like in height. He himself was kind of a, a bit of a giant in his own. But he, he can't possibly go out there because he's rehearsing Goliath's words for him. He's rehearsing, and David, he comes in and he sees this and he hears this and he gets mad. I'm going to talk about Nehemiah next week, man. Get upset, stay upset. Kick comfort to the curb and make a difference. His, Nehemiah's life, because he got upset about one thing, changed the course of his nation. And David walks in and he's like, who this guy? This little teenager comes in. Who that guy? He tries Saul's armor. He's like, I'll go fight him. I'll, I'll go fight him. Saul's like, here, try my armor on. And David's like, man, this is like, you're too big. I'm not, I, can't, I can't fight with the tools God gave you. He's like, I can't. I've got, all I got, I'm pretty good with this sling. This is what I do in the field. It doesn't seem like much in the field, but see, he, he spent years in the field practicing. You know the shepherds back in the day? They could, they could flick from like 20, 30 yards away. They could, they could graze the nose of a sheep to get them turned back into the right way. You practice in the field. If you can't hit a shot on practice, don't try to hit it in the game, guys. And he's been practicing in the field, and he's been practicing something else in the field that actually mattered more than practicing with his weapon. He's been practicing speaking over himself, who God is speaking over him. And he, he's like, okay, I just, need a, I just need a timeout here. I just need a timeout. You need a timeout in the middle of conflict sometime. I just need a timeout. I need to go to the bathroom. And you go in the bathroom and listen to worship music and start praying. And he goes, I need to go and get some, uh, some stones from the, I need, I'm, out of, I'm out of stones. Was he out? I don't know if he's out of stones or not. But I, just, I need some stones. He gets five stones from the, from the brook and he goes out there and he's just like, Shandala. God, give me some strength here. Give me some. I just need some. And the words of Goliath are ringing in his head and he starts, get this, he starts rehearsing his own words. Goliath has been talking about his spear and his javelin. His spear and javelin, Goliath. And he starts, he starts doing what you need to start doing. He starts wordsmithing. 
he starts creating language, and then he's like, you know what, that sentence is too long. I needed to have a bit of kick, so I'm going to add this word and take that word out. And he starts talking himself through what is going to happen. And he goes and gets five stones from, from, the, from the stream. Now, he knows that he's really probably only going to need one of those, but he gets five. He figures uh, Goliath had four brothers, maybe, and maybe they want in on the party. You didn't know that. I don't know if his brothers were there or not, but I guess if they wanted to the party, it saves David having to hunt them down later. If the devil wants at you and wants to bring all hell down on you, well, you might as well do it now. Well, bring everybody to the party. Sure, let's just make sure I got enough stones. And so he starts wordsmithing this thing. He starts wordsmithing this thing. What comes out here is not unrehearsed. What comes out in the day of battle must not be unrehearsed. You have to start. You know, I told, I told one of our best couples last night, I'm like, you pray for each other and you go and fight for each other and you rebuke the devil for each other. You know what they struggle with. You go after the devil for it and then say the other thing over them. No, no, my, my wife. No, my husband is not that. He's this. She's this. My kids are this. They're not that. In Jesus' name. He rehearses this and this is what he says. He says... He's in there and he's like, I can do all things through Christ who thinks me. I don't like this giant. This giant, he's starting to get upset and he's starting to work himself up. And the devil's losing his grip on him and he's like, this giant, this giant. He's just working. Watch what he says. Watch what he says. David replies to the Philistine. He walks out. Philistine says, David knows what's coming. Because you know what's coming, don't you? You know what the devil's going to whisper in your ear. You can't get over lust. You're always going to be unemployed. You're never going to. You can't. You always. Somebody else always gets there first. You can't. Somebody else always. If only you had. You know what he's going to say to you. But David says, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you. You like that one. You looking at me, I'm looking at you. You want the truth, you can handle the truth. You come at me with sword, spear, and javelin. Yeah, I see him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of Heaven's army. I can't even carry that spear and javelin, but I don't, I don't need that. I come to you in the name of the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Oh, let's talk about you, devil. You're talking about, no, let's talk about you. I read the end of the book. Why don't we talk about you for a minute? Because I know you want to talk about me, but watch what he says. You come to me, but I come to you. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. Oh, don't make this about me. This has nothing to do with me. This has to do with you and God. And you got a problem, Goliath. You got a problem, devil. And you ugly. Your own mama said you ugly. I, I wonder. Looking across there. I wonder. We're going to sing Wonder by Hillsong United after and I'm going to make it something special for you. I wonder, I wonder if you're ready because I'm going to mess up your day, devil. I'm going to mess, you say that we're going to get a divorce, I'm going to mess you up. I wonder what your body looked like without that big, ugly, giant head on it. I wonder what my life is going to look like without this addiction, I wonder. I wonder what this world would look like without your... I wonder what this track would sound like without your voice in it. Hmm. Your mama gonna cry tonight because you're not coming home, devil. You're not making it out of this one. Oh, this isn't about me. This is about you and God. It's about something that's already been done. 
And then I will give the dead bodies of your men. Oh, let's not forget about all the guys behind you, too. You guys feeling left out? Oh, then I'm going to give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Not that there is a David in Israel, that there is a God in Israel. Not that you're something special, but that your God is something special. And he's like, hey, let's not forget, I'm going to be too busy to bury all the things that we beat next. I'm going to be too busy chasing them down the road. Let the wild animals bury them. I got no time. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. This battle belongs to the Lord, not to you. It never belonged to you, and I'm not giving it to you right now. This battle belongs to the Lord, and he will give you to us. He will give you. Here's, here's the secret. Here's the secret. All the devil can be is Loki. He can vanish and reappear and lie a little bit. But I got a Hulk. We got a Hulk, y'all. Smash, 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 puny God. Let me pray for you. Father, I want the spirit of David to be on every person listening to this and every person watching this online and every person here. I don't want us to be looking at the pool of Bethesda when Jesus is sitting beside us on the other side. I want every person to get out of here with their healing, every person to get out of here with hope and faith once again. Father, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Father, coming in here, we, we saw Goliath, like saw, saw Goliath. We saw that problem we're dealing with as a giant too big to beat, Father, but give us the spirit of David because Goliath is just too big to miss. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.